Welcome to the Weekly Patch, the weekly podcast where we make the industry better one patch at a time. I am your host this week, Jordan, and you know it's a Jordan week when I have a story. And let me tell you, this week is filled with disappointment. This was not a great week for me. You know why? It is Sunday, the 11th of April. April? And before we started recording, I was watching WrestleMania. And not a single wrestler that I wanted to win won their matches. Big E lost. Asuka lost. What the F? Hulk Hogan, his racist ass is, is freaking hosting? You kidding me? You just actively supported a Paul brother. I hope you know that. And I hope you feel real bad about yourself. I'll have you know that that was another part where I was super uh, annoyed. But I did get to see him get thrown around and tossed around, which wasn't bad. But I don't want to see him get any money either. Exactly. And then the other side of my week was actual sad disappointment was when DMX passed. And DMX, one of my top five rappers of all time, one of my favorite rappers growing up. I was a person who grew up in the 90s. He's from New York, Malvern and Yonkers area. And that he was just cool, cool. Also, like he became really cool in Gamerspheres and Nerdspheres recently because of Nintendo calling the thing NX. But I'm just going to give it to you. <laughs> what I did do this week was I opened up my little games thing in the corner that nobody can see because it's an audio podcast, but it's also out of frame for my co-host. And I plugged in my GameCube and I played Def Jam Vendetta. And I picked the only character that I played in that game, DMX. Wow. And I remember sitting up as a kid, like 2003, 2004, like 1 a.m. playing with my brother and getting in so much trouble because I would always do my DMX voice whenever he was on the screen. And he would say something like, you think this guy's going to mess with the dog? And it was hilarious. (laughs) And I got so in trouble. And that is the tone that I want to start this weekend. Kaylee. The second top streamer for Tales of Berseria, only second to Bankai, Bandai Namco US, at least on Thursday when you were both streaming at the same time. I didn't realize. I did see that we were, yeah, I didn't find this out until recently, but it turns out that Namco Bandai has been trying to steal my thunder. And they have also been streaming Tales of Berseria this week, which is a little rude. But I'm just going to make some assumptions based on the story you just told. And I'm going to cut straight to the question. Who was your girlfriend in Def Jam Fight for New York? I didn't play the story mode for Jeff Def Jam Fight for New York. I left that to my brother, and he was such a rager when it came to games. And I was like, oh, this game's going to make me pissed off. I'm not going gonna, gonna to let him unlock all the characters. And then I'm going to just, just continue playing as Snoop Dogg, who is so, uh, so, so strong in that game that in the competitive fighting game community, he's banned. Fun You're fact. fired. Get out of my house. That was, you know what that answer was? That was a straight to the gulag answer. Are you kidding me? And you know what? No one, no one played Def Jam Icon, so we don't have to talk about that. I mean, I didn't bring it up for a reason, but that's okay. With us as well is the most professional person here, Spencer. <laughs> that's so true, though. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's true, I guess. Am I? Um, I've been packing all week. That's what I've been doing. And playing Dead by Daylight. Because that's what I do when I don't have anything to play. Also, Bandai Namco, why aren't you just paying Kaylee to stream Pails for <laughs> Do it. Oh, I've cried like three times this week. We're getting close to the end game. So like we're recording this on Sunday. This podcast releases Friday. Wednesday. And by Friday, I mean Wednesday. Because this (laughs) is not going to make sense if it was actually Friday. Because on Wednesday, I start streaming Tales of Berseria again this week at 4 p.m. Pacific. 
And I'm so close to the end game that it's to the point where I don't know if I'll finish it Wednesday or I'll finish it Thursday because I've done all the side quest stuff. I've done every single thing you can fucking do. All we have left is go to what is clearly the final boss. So I'm going to cry so very much. You want to see an almost 30-year-old woman cry about a little anime character that she fell in love with named Nugget. He's such a pure little thing. I just It's not Nugget. His name's Nugget, and I love him. Love him so much. I'm gonna. He's like. He's like Vivi. I love him the way I love Vivi from Final Fantasy Nine. I just want to protect him. I just want to keep him safe. I just want to. I just want to protect so bad. More for that in pre free play. Oh God. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I can't stop talking about it. Host of the Zyger Power Hour, a show that isn't real but I consistently talk about. Zyger. It is real. It's absolutely a real show. It's, it's absolutely a real show on Twitch.tv forward slash Crook of Art. Sometimes. Yeah, forward is slash. it forward slash? What's yeah. that? What what year were you born? I've never why do we specify? Do you ever use a backslash in a URL? It really confuses no. when people specify forward slash because then I'm like, wait, why are you specifying unless it's weird? Does that mean that it's developers exist? Oh my god. I refuse to acknowledge that. I say forward slash because it confuses people. <laughs> that is the only reason I do it. Oh fuck you then. <laughs> That's troll mentality. Don't, don't be a troll. Like, be a bully. Don't be a troll. There's a difference. I'm just gonna push Zyger down. Those things are good. And you bullied me all the time. You bullied good. me before this podcast started. <laughs> when you did that you... happen? Is that recorded? Is there is there proof of that? God damn it! On the air. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, speaking of uh, bullying and making bad decisions, this is a terrible transition. You need to you need to keep this in. <laughs> you I mean, gonna keep it anyway. one, if it's the only one you give me it stays you know what i mean like are, are you gonna <laughs> yeah. give me another one or what are we doing following last week's uh quality assurance of sony versus microsoft we have that and more in this week's scrum i think i'm quitting the podcast <laughs> So TLDR for the next couple stories. Sony fucking up. Um, the article from Bloomberg by Jason Schreier. Sony is obsessed with focusing on AAA blockbusters. So Sony has made a habit in the last couple of years of transitioning all of their focus on their big IP and AAA games. And in fact, they have owned many studios that solely exist to support said games. And as a result, there has been internal struggles with people wanting to leave as well as Sony focusing away from, quote, small Japanese games that are only popular there. I editorialized that quote. That's not an actual quote. Now, on the other side of that equation... So why'd you say quote? Is it because you're a liar? It's because I'm a big (laughs) fucking liar. On the other side of that, uh, Microsoft has rumors circling around that they are tapping Kojima for talent. They are trying to get Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima? Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima. Hideo. Hideo Kojima. For the purpose of getting more Xbox games popular in the Japanese market. So not necessarily Kojima making an Xbox game or a game for Xbox, but possibly that. But more specifically, using Kojima as a means to get more Japanese talent making games for Microsoft. And with that you'll see a lot of people saying, man, Sony's fucking up. Things are so much better when Sean Layden was around. 
Sean Layden was so cool. They lost a great-ass talent. And if you go to Sean Layden's Twitter, if you go on the twitter.com slash whatever the fuck Sean Layden's Twitter underscore is, you'll just see him liking all those tweets. Like, just just, just kind of as a way of saying, yeah, y'all right. Sony is fucking up. Yeah, what's really great is if you were to go on Sean Layden's account, like, it's going to be a bitch now. It's kind of a thing that you had to be there in the moment for. When this was trending and this article was blowing up, if you went to Sean Layden's Twitter and looked at his likes, it was all just people tweeting, man, I miss Sean Layden, and specifically retweeting a clip of one of the openings of E3 that Sean Layden did, where he talks about how um, they had just spent a lot of money and effort doing a game that you know, a creatively successful endeavor, but didn't do so well. And he goes, but that's not the point. Um, it was something important to us. And it was just, you know, literally the exact antithesis of the, of the current statement for PlayStation's direction. And so I think it's really important to note that Sean Layden left a couple years ago because of clashing behind the scenes. And so what this kind of makes it look like, along with the, all of the other things that have been coming out today is or not today, but all the other things that have been coming out lately with PlayStation's thought process and headspace and decision making is that okay, we're back in the PlayStation 3 Sony mindset. We're in the we're big and we're gonna do these like six big games a year everyone's gonna buy, and somehow that's gonna make us enough money and keep enough talent around and fuck indies and fuck niche games. And, you know, it's like, we'll have these like fighting game tournaments and we'll have these services that we care about. But as far as games go, if it's not a games of service or a triple a game, I can, we can't be bothered. And so it's just, we don't see a lot of, I don't know. I guess you, you were saying, um, blessing and Greg were saying, I'm kind of funny. They, they, they brought up the PS3, but it's just so obvious to somebody who lived through the PlayStation 3 era to be like, oh, oh, I remember this Sony. Yeah, no, I remember the Sony really well. They did a really bad job and they were losing super hard until they got their shit together and started doing all of the opposite things of what they're saying that they're going to do now. So I think that right now we are seeing that behind the scenes, they have already had this mindset for a little while, and it's just now starting to spill out into the public face. And if we don't want to go through the PS3 days of Sony again, we need to start applying all of the pressure that we did that ended up slowly turning it around and just just skip that part. Just go straight to the being really pissed off and apply all the pressure and then go, oh, okay, wait, wait, don't, don't be dumb bitches. Like, the the Harrison recovery in Persona. Just smack him with a fan. You know what I'm saying? Nerd. And in line with pretty much uh, all games console history, whoever wins the last generation just immediately fucks up the next one. So that's that that's pretty much in line, right? They just love coasting. And speaking of continuing to fuck up, games companies and studios are already starting to delist their games from the Vita store. Following our news from last week of them having a date to that the whole store is going to close. Uh, specifically, Atlas and IS games are being like, we're out of here. So, fuck game preservation. Fuck game preservation. And in addition to that, people across the world are beginning to bring up the fact that they can no longer access patches for their PS3 games, both digitally and on disc games. So, if you didn't know, Many games, both in the past and now, 
come with a day one patch. And sometimes that day one patch is to exist to clear up any game breaking bugs that came up, you know, after a disc were printed. And sometimes it's because it needs to turn on online access. Sometimes they just didn't have online servers up before games up for games multiplayer and you get that day one patch to get online access. Now, some games, for example, Tag and Tag Tournament 2, fighting game, kind of lives and dies based off of its online access right now uh, with no in-person fighting game tournaments. Just is a game that people can't play, as well as many other games. So, also, fuck game preservation. And the rabbit hole keeps getting deeper with Sony fucking up and rumors here and there, because apparently, according to David Jaffe in an interview with GameSpot, you know, someone at Sony said they got a plan, a counterpunch to Xbox Game Pass. Gamergator David Jaffe. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, fuck, Game- fuck David yeah. Jaffe. Yeah. Gamergator Jaffe. David Jaffe has an important announcement on behalf of Sony, and it's that they totes have a plan. You guys just don't even know. It's going to be so good. Infrastructure week is coming. Give me like three weeks. And even with uh, David Jaffe, uh, Gamergate David Jaffe, saying those things, it's completely in contrast to what Sony was saying two years ago when they were saying they don't see a thing comparable to Xbox Game Pass being sustainable for PlayStation, which is probably true. Yeah. They don't got Microsoft money. They don't. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, Sony and Microsoft, they're both big companies. And in the same way, we don't understand that a millionaire and a billionaire are wildly different people with wildly different lifestyles because the human mind is literally not capable of contemplating numbers that large we don't realize that like no sony can't eat the money that microsoft can by just buying a game and then giving it to everyone for free for infinite time like that costs money if you ask like oh well how come like i feel like the obvious question is well how can microsoft afford to do it if sony can't and the answer is that microsoft eats it and sony can't afford to eat it and that's what happens when you let companies get so large that they can have that much of a leverage over companies as large as Sony. Like there's one thing we all know, we all think about like Walmart beating out the mom and pop shops. And that's a pretty common thing that we all just have accepted as like a, a consequence of capitalism. They're like, Oh, whatever. What's happening now in late stage hypercapitalism is that Microsoft is so large and Amazon is so large and these companies are so fucking large that they're not just taking like they're not kicking out the mom and pop shops they're kicking out the other fortune 500 companies like they are we're gonna get to a point where there's gonna be five fucking companies total and everyone's gonna wonder why and it's because of shit like this there's a reason that in the conversation of who are the richest people in the world one of them is the person that made Microsoft that's not worth Microsoft okay yeah it's also that Microsoft is a service company. I think people think Microsoft is a software company. They are a services company. Their biggest division is cloud service and enterprise services. So having Game Pass as a service is just another service. And their shareholders go, oh, services went up because you got X amount of money from from Game Pass. And we'll give you more money because you're being successful as a service company. Mm-hmm. They look at that number of subscribers to Game Pass, and that cancels out all of the debt that they go into, like, all of the money that they could have made if they had sold individual copies. Because that's what Sony is saying. They're like, you know, we can sell X number, it's basically, we can sell X number of $70 games, like games for $70, that are first party, we pay to make, we get the profits for making $70 games. 
Or we could spend that same amount of money making it and then put it on a Sony version of Game Pass and basically only charge the cost of Game Pass, if not less, because you multiply it times however many games are on Game Pass, or divide it by however many games are on Game Pass. And it's just not, you know, we were losing out on too much money. Like, we could make $100 billion if we sold $70 copies versus we'll make $50 billion in Sony Game Pass subscriptions if we put this game on Game Pass. And that's just one game. Multiply that by all of our AAA games or all of our first-party games, there's no way, even if we just do first-party, that we could do Game Pass and make it affordable. And that's just how much money Microsoft is eating. Now, a lot of the games on Game Pass, they don't develop, or they didn't until they bought the studios <laughs> recently. Right. So it was more like, it's more akin to like I, Xbox buying a game and then letting all of its friends borrow it with Game Pass. That's a really good analogy. As opposed to with Sony, they had to pay to make the game, and then instead of selling it to you, they have to give it to you for essentially free. That's the difference between Xbox doing Game Pass and Sony doing Game Pass. In lighter news, uh, get ready as teenagers fight their way out of purgatory or remain in hell again, because Neo The World Ends With You has gotten a release date of July 27th. Neo, The World Ends With You, a sequel to The World Ends With You. I'm saying the full names because it's so stupid. Why do you name your games like this, Square Enix? The people that made Kingdom Hearts made a game that was named Confusing? Are you... That can't be right. And it's the first time it is showing up on a console that is not just a Nintendo console because it's coming to PlayStation 4. Oh, I forgot about that. I had no idea this is coming to PS4. Nintendo Switch and PS4. Previously, uh, The World Unders U has only been on Nintendo DS, Nintendo Switch, iOS, and Android. And I just want to quickly say, if you have not played the original The World Unders U, absolutely play it. If you can play it on DS, that's probably the best platform to play it on. The Switch version is okay. But the DS platform, best one. I'm going to say the Switch, the Switch version is bad. Yeah. I'm going to agree that Switch version bad. If you can, if you don't have access to a DS, uh, I guess watch the story, but I, I don't I don't think that's the way you should experience games. So maybe just skip it. It's, it's going to have an anime soon. Just watch the anime. Hey, I like experiencing games that way. Don't hate. I'm a hate. I've watched Portal 2 from start to finish so many times. I guarantee I know better than most people that played it and beat it once. Well, yeah, that's just... As a game designer, that, that, that irks me. I don't like playing certain games, but they did a great job on the story uh, the story and development. Would you rather I not play the game? Because I buy a bunch of Portal merch. They get my money. But you didn't play the game. But I experienced the game. And then you got money from me. And that's totally fine. That part of it is totally great. But I'm like, don't be like, I played Portal 2, but you watch a bunch of videos. You didn't play, but you experienced Portal 2, which is super great. But like playing something is a very specific emotional, physical experience that is separate from knowing the details of like the lore and story which is another great fulfilling difference for us. okay we could have a whole the color experiment conversation but yes we, this is getting along in more news that signifies uh covid fucked up game development uh death loop a game is it gonna come out who cares does anyone really want to play this game i do i want to play really? this game no you don't no one wants to play i this do game. i wrote death loop more like delay loop and i thought that was the greatest thing ever and i can't believe you didn't say it what i just left it there for you a real no. zinger a real so, so great one I, I read it and i thought kaylee's so proud of this i'm not gonna read it you're hateful this is bullying <laughs> death loop is now coming out on september 14th 
September 14th. And finally, in news that doesn't sound like news, news that if a week and a half ago I said this, you would think it's just a joke. It's just a bad joke. It's a Hard Times article. Something that everybody missed because this happened a month ago. As a part of GDC, Intel did a video uh, showcase showcasing their new AI service called Bleep. Yep, it's called Bleep. And the purpose of said service is to have an AI that moderates, let's just say, hate speech in online interactions, online game interactions. And in that AI, you can set certain dials to let in some hate speech, all hate speech, no hate speech. Do you want to have an N-word toggle? It had an N-word toggle. It had an N-word toggle. And it didn't even have just hate speech. It had, would you like to select the slider for ableism? Would you like to select the slider for misogyny? The slider for racism? The slider for LGBT plus discrimination? And the slider options were, yes, it was more, less, none. Like all more, less, or none. I, I, like, I like less homophobia, but not none. Not no homophobia. The, my favorite part of this is that they're like, we have finally been able to develop technology that can in real time not only detect hate speech, but can detect it and narrow it down by type. And instead of using this technology to ban people who use hate speech or to disable their mic when they detect it so it's muted for everybody, instead, they've done a libertarian fantasy of everyone gets to select the amount of hate speech that they personally want. So you can make it really easy to find all of the other people that only want to hear misogyny but they're not down for homophobia now that is it for the scrum this week that was a hefty scrum uh and hefty scrum sounds really gross and that's a word phrase that i'll never use again this week's quality assurance is one that makes me burn with rage so uh ukrainian game studio game labs is developing a game called this land is my land This game has been in development for several years. This isn't like a new announcement of a game. This isn't a surprise. But they've come under fire recently for good reason. Because of their just insensitive depiction of Native Americans as they are making a game that is supposed to be... I'm just going to say, they're making a game that that fetishizes... Uh, Native American culture with respect to American colonialism or European colonialism. Which, in theory, can sound noble and nice. But when you're a studio that is from like Europe and has no Native people on the team and does not consult with the team, there have been a lot of people that are Native American that have explicitly stated, this is insensitive to my culture and this is wrong. And their responses have been booty. They have been dick. They have been balls. In a tweet where they announced a new server in- infrastructure for the game, they said some. They said the following. That we have no indigenous people in our development team. We have some in our community. And we're always open to feedback to improve our game. Now that is one, acknowledging that you kind of already fucked up. You're this far in development and you haven't looked for consulting. But that also sounds to me like an open request for help. And their response to people that do 
give them feedback has been, we are making a game, not history. This is a game, not a political statement. They are just actively shooting down all indigenous people that try to give them any amount of knowledge about what they are doing wrong to represent their culture. And their response is, well, our community's fine with it. And most of our community school with it. So no, thank you. We were not going to take your feedback. When people ask for some type of cultural consulting, they said do the same. And as a person myself, who is a cultural consultant, sometimes it is not a particularly expensive endeavor. It's not a particularly long endeavor. Let many people have different rates. Many people will have different things. But this is a game studio that has made a successful game, has money, and can afford to reach out to people to do consulting for this type of thing. And they made the active choice not to. And their response in the past has something. This is a small studio, blah, blah, blah. They have made a successful game before. They have been... It's four people. The studio yes. itself, it's four people that are right there. Yes. But they... They just ignore all of that realism and just without even without saying that they basically said, we're not dealing with this SJW bullshit. We can do what we want. And that is the context for a larger problem in the games industry of people representing cultures without doing research on them, without having anybody in that culture be their part of that team. When I entered grad school, this is a short story, a very short story. The opening personal statement was, I want more video games starring people that look like me. And the problem I had with the games industry then and now is that every time I did get the chance to do that, I, they were clearly like written not by people that look like me because they lived in a world of hyper stereotypes. They are like criminals. They're from, they have a very specific hood identity or they are, these scientists that no one listens to. Or they in fighting games specifically, they're a boxer of some sort. Weird fighting game thing. Uh, Balrog, TJ Combo, Bruce from Tekken. Bunch of boxers. Tybo guy. Which has been a large problem across the games industry for the entirety of the games industry. And it just... It brings me such pain because as a person that does the work of consulting, I know how simple it is. I know smaller teams than the team that that is making this game with less money that have hired me my services before. And it's in no way unreasonable for them to look for someone from this community to do that type of work. To piggyback off that, in the Twitter thread that we have where they go through, which I guess we should probably link in show notes, in the Discord, a indigenous person is like i will do that right and their response is well we already have a community of gay people who love the game as it is what that's okay so you have a community full of people who also are cool with racial stereotypes and like really the community that they have fostered around this game is horrifying (laughs) they just seem to have like no concept of like sensitivity towards native american and indigenous people and the problem is there there are multiple native american or indigenous people in that discord group that were like there were a couple of people trying to fight that fight and you just see the wave of people actively supporting not doing the right thing 
and it's it's like a it's the gamer gate it's the tech bro it's the proud boy like identity of this is our thing you're not taking it away from us leave that saw shit over there that's kind of taken over this story and these devs are just standing true to that they are proudly putting that that statement that that idea forward they aren't the only ones though i think is like a very important point while looking at this like i went back and looked at other games that have been super big triple a games that have had very well thought out and like not not that they have to be in a tone in a way they can like tone it however they want but trying to be cognizant that they're going to be like trying to tell a bunch of white people that their video game is racist towards them and like writing towards that audience who have gotten like shouted down horizon zero dawn had one native woman who was willing to come out and say like using the word brave has like a connotation to people who are indigenous that like people who aren't indigenous don't understand the weight of what that word means right there are posters you don't have to go far into american history to find posters where they say they want brave scalps those two words together they want skin off the top of the head of a dead indian that's what they want that word has meaning to people that you can't understand if that isn't the community you've grown up in or grown around in as someone that didn't play horizon zero dawn what is the reference to that in game that i don't get all of the people in the tribe that go out i mean they use the word tribe too which it's just all these things that like aren't thought about because people don't have to think about Native Americans. They don't have to because they just don't. They pushed out their voices for so long that they don't even have to acknowledge that they exist. Right. The people who go outside of the like contained area and into the wilderness are called braves. So that's how they they use it. And I don't like the thing is, is like it doesn't matter if they were not like I don't I'm not out here being like gorilla was trying to be disrespectful in using it. Whether their intent to be disrespectful or not is not the point. It's what happens when you use that word. And if you are talented enough to create a world like Horizon Zero Dawn, you are talented enough to create your own language that doesn't, isn't harmful. Red Dead Redemption 2 also got pushback from people on one of its characters. I think the character is half black and half native american and they handled it terribly because they're rock star and they handle everything like that terribly and again the whole community refused to let people who we don't hear from very often who i can only think of one correct me if you're out there please get in contact with us one indigenous games journalist that is Dia Lucina. She's the one that wrote the article about Horizon Zero Dawn. And the problem is, the I'm going to go hard in the paint on Kind of Funny, and people could be mad about it if they want, but they let it happen. I think we see a lot of the people who say this anti-SJW stuff about this game is because when that came out, Colin Morty already went so hard about how ridiculous it was. That anyone would have a problem with it. it was just ridiculous. It was flat out unbelievable, unreal, and you were just getting mad about nothing. And 
like it or not, he continues to have a weight and a voice, even not at Kind of Funny. He has a Patreon. He has a YouTube channel. And he's out there fostering a community of people who think that way, who agree with him that way. I mean, with that quote, what are his words on the subject of Horizon Zero Dawn? So Dia took down the post about it. She got so much blowback from people. She just knew the medium post on it, which is sad because it was like a very well-written piece about why these words were hurtful. Uh, but Colin, in his... Infinite wisdom? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's not really what I want to say about it, but it was a March 2017 PS I Love You XOXO. He had the... I don't know what word you would use to say this. I don't know. I'm just going to say what he said because I'm just... It gets me so mad I get flustered about it. He was so violently inspired to say. Correct. The cultural appropriation is nonsense. The idea a white person can't dress up as an Indian on Halloween. You guys are making an issue over nothing. There is nothing here. I do not give a fuck if I'm a white male. There is nothing here anybody should get offended about. Colin Moriarty, the supporter of Redface, and I'm going to just assume Blackface because really that's what he's pushing for right now. He's pushing for both of those. And that like a white person putting on makeup, putting on a garb to represent these two cultures that they have committed a sort of genocide to has no problem to. That's why I'm equating those two things together. Because that that's... I what... was just like, I get nervous about... In a podcast that's designed to be, to a certain extent, educational, saying things that to the person you're trying to educate would be like, oh, so you're just going to pretend that he said that he's pro-blackface. Because that's such a visceral thing. Because people don't take redface seriously. That's why we still have, you know, Atlanta is playing a baseball game right now as we're recording this. And I'm not saying their team name for a reason. You know, like, so red face doesn't make anybody feel like you viscerally. There's this weird, like, you have to prove in a court of law someone's racist or you've committed a sin if you say that they're racist. And so I feel like it's almost a distraction when we're talking about Native issues to be like, that's basically saying, you know, he also said basically blackface. I don't, because that's erasing the fact that there are plenty of Native Americans who are also black like Native American is a thing I think that people have a concept that's hard to wrap their head around that like yes we, we talk about Native Americans we are also we are talking about the people who were here before colonializers came but it also is a people for hundreds of years who have been here who have also decided that the colonizer way of life was not for them and were brought into the tribes like there are throughout history like people who were runaway slaves and like other things who found refuge and home and community in native american communities and i think that it is like you are saying like if you're okay saying like why can't white people be why can't white people dress up like hogohannis that's like one thing away from why can't white people dress up like Nicki minaj like they're the same they're in the same realm my reason that i'm saying that that exact way is because what you said is very true people don't see red face as a bad thing and I'm saying they are the exact same thing and that, and that people need to know that they are the, like, they are the exact same thing to different cultures in this, in this particular context. I just worry that it's distracting from the conversation we're trying to have here to say, I am accusing him of saying blackface. And then I, I feel like it might do a disservice to your point 
in this moment to flippantly say he didn't say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say that he's okay with blackface. Like that's what you said. And so I feel like instead of having a conversation about the importance of saying, instead of having this conversation we just had where you're talking about how, Hey, you know how everyone realizes blackface is super not okay. Here's why you should be just as bad with this. Instead. What I worry about is the kind of person that needs to hear that is going to stop when you say, I'm just going to go ahead and say that, you know, he's okay with blackface and go, well, he didn't say that. And so now you're putting words in his mouth. So now I can't trust you as a source. So now I'm going to turn this off. That's what I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying that in this moment, this is a podcast where we're trying to educate people. And if you say, if, you, you didn't say all the like stuff just now that expanded. You said specifically, I'm going to go ahead and say he's okay with blackface, which saying, hey, by the way, if you're okay with redface, here's the reason why that actually means you're okay with blackface is a really good salient point. But starting it with the super controversial, I feel like for the sake of controversial, I'm going to go ahead and just say that he's okay with blackface is intentionally being combative in a way that I don't think is going to help convince people. Now, I get your point. I get what you're saying, and I want to keep as much as in, in as possible. And that the reason why... I am passionate with saying it that way is and and the reason why you're also very correct in many ways as well is that like I am very personally offended by this because it's a thing that reflects on a culture that I like relate to in many ways in in the context of America and I want to I want to completely editorialized here like I I gave I gave the notes and I gave the the context of the news of what was happening and I'm like, this is where I am just editorial. This is my raw emotion about it as a marginalized person, as a person who like kind of experiences similar things every year around the time where Halloween comes up that like, this is what that tells me as a person who experiences that same, that particular same thing. Like you're telling me that this is, and, and the conversation kind of naturally led to that. I don't really remember where my train of thought was going because it was in passion at the moment when I originally said the thing. But that's where, because it generally, like, naturally came to this point, it's like, it's important for me to get out the raw emotion of it because it so greatly affects a part of my daily life for me. Right. And for me, I guess I come from a sense of wanting to protect the weight of your words. Does that make sense? Like, you front-loaded the controversial statement that doesn't sound controversial once you walk through people how it's not controversial like in the end you can say so what i'm saying is that if you're okay like colin saying i'm okay with red face is saying i'm okay with black face at the end of the day they're the same thing and if you're not okay with one you can't be okay with the other and i think that's a powerful conclusion i just worry that it does a disservice as an introduction and i know that's really um semantic yes but that's a podcast like that's really right it's really important so that's i do like, feel like that's a very important point to make or not point to make but like clarification in the context of the conversation. I am very angry about this thing. And the nuance of what I'm saying can get lost in that anger, but what I'm saying isn't any less true, which is why the, where the conversation led eventually is kind of, I'm, I'm kind of fine with. Yeah, and so I feel like at the end of the day that I'm so used to like, it doesn't matter how righteous the anger, it doesn't tend to lead to good education if you don't gussy it up with rhetoric. We did that though, right? Like eventually. Yeah. I just think that anybody who turned it off before we got to that point didn't get it. And we could have done it in a better way that would have educated more people. That's my thesis. I don't know if I completely agree with that thesis, but I also respect it. 
So when interviewed two years ago by Polygon in an absolute fluff piece that does not question any of the wacky shit, we'll link the article. It is almost hysterical if it wasn't so infuriating. But there's a it, the interviewer asks, like, you know, a really obvious question, like, what tribe are you hoping to represent in your game that's supposed to be like a a powerful historical representation because this in, in response to criticisms they mentioned how they have a reputation for historically accurate games because they also did a game about the fucking american civil war like they have a weird love of doing you know hot topics in american politics which honestly i kind of think is fascinating how upset i'm getting about it and it makes me think about how blithely we'll just like you know cover really important parts of other countries historical events and it's like yeah this is how other people feel all the time when we like colonize their histories for hollywood films and shit you know like but aside from that they were asked a basic question you're trying to make this historically accurate game that's not historical and is not trying to be accurate but is realistic but not accurate but is not political but is respectful to the plight of the native americans versus the white man like they're they're, they're going back and forth on all these fucking cognitive dissonance is off the charge and the answer is beautiful because the answer is quote you represent them all the Chickasaw, Cherokee, Lakota, Cheyenne, Apaches, Navajo, Shawnee, Shoshone, Mohawk, Utes, and all other tribes large and small. These last patches of your homeland seem insignificant for the settlers, but for you it is the center of the universe, the heart of everything. Continuing, again, quote, We could not find any good games which would let us play as a Native American warrior, or as the Declaration of Independence called them, merciless indian savages so we are making one that's a quote from someone who said that this game is not supposed to be political and then invoked the declaration of independence's horrific references to native americans like this is the person there's only four people at the studio and this is one of them you know what i mean like we're not talking about oh he doesn't represent the game he's a fucking quarter of the game but right there is it's the car it, it, it's the original sin it is the inescapable if this is your foundation you cannot make a game done representing another culture done well because you're not representing another culture the quote says you represent them all is the quote it is the equivalent of saying oh i want to make a game about you know asian culture and so you know it's going to be it's going to feature a, a warrior with a sari and you know a chong sum and a fucking you know you can't mix japanese and korean and chinese and indian culture and just be like oh you know just you know i'm gonna pick and choose my favorite parts from all of those and it'll just be asian you know that culture it's like no those are all very different cultures and you cannot represent one well while representing all of them because they're different cultures it, they refer to it as you know these last patches of your homeland well these are different homelands the homeland of one of these tribes is not the homeland of the other tribe and so even in this quote they're just saying all Native Americans are essentially the same, and they all thought of America as their collective homeland. And that's not how it worked. And if you don't understand that very basic concept, and you're touting yourself as a you know, pedigree of historically accurate games, what the actual fuck? 
And this is before controversy. This was in a fluff piece where that's that's where he's going for his inspiration. Is that the fluff piece where they also say they're talking about how the game is about like assimilation or like perish for like the native culture? I think it might be that might be in one of the other many horrible things they said, which also like completely doesn't recognize that like people were trying to assimilate Native Americans as late as like the 70s. Like we were taking native kids away from their parents for yeah, like so this is, this not is the good last reason. quote in the article. I think this might be what you're referring to. Um, aliens in brackets, white people came to this place from all latitudes and longitudes for all different reasons. They think they are claiming the empty lands, but your people have always been living here. This is a game, not a simulation, but it takes place during a time when native Americans faced a choice of becoming part of the alien civilization or disappearing. The player is fighting people who want to terminate his people's entire history. The events happening in game could have happened in reality. But this is not a historical game. This is not about any particular tribes, and it's sure as shit not political. But but the, but you're, you're fighting an alien civilization for, like, no wonder this is getting... Imag- read this, and then imagine a white supremacist reading it, because... Google, like, if you type this game's name into Twitter and you see any person speaking about the issues with native representation in the game, I have never seen so many LOL, I'm gonna buy this just because you said it's racist replies. And that's standard. That's like a standard troll reply in any like SJW. Hey, that's kind of like shitty in the following way. Uh, tweets but i've never seen so many in every single tweet no matter how large or small the account people are obviously just searching like this land is my land racist and if you do that every single tweet just has dozens upon dozens of people responding i'm gonna buy this game just because you say it's racist and if you listen to this quote they face a choice of becoming part of the alien civilization or disappearing. They're fighting people who want to terminate their entire history. The events in the game happen- could have happened in reality. That's like fucking right-wing talking points, just right there. Like, it's just, it, No wonder this is resonating with the wrong people. And when you don't even have the dignity to say, yeah, it's going to be this particular tribe. Like, They give away war paint DLC. How can you respectfully handle real-life war paint of real tribes, real customs, when you're not even saying what tribes' customs you're pulling from. Like, you you can't do that. You cannot make a game that is respectful to a culture that you won't name. Like, if you can't even name the culture and you're just going to go Native Americans, you know, it's it's just the same as saying, I'm going to make a... I'm going to make a game about uh, surviving in Europe and it's going to be a main character that wears a kilt and they eat a bunch of streusel and they love bread and wine. And it's like, wait, I don't understand what's happening. And they speak Italian. Wait, what? And all they want is olive oil. It's like, I don't, that's so many things. And they're all just stereotypes. Like, what are you doing? That's not even the same. Those are those are miles and hundreds of miles apart and very different civilizations and cultures. You're just mashing together because they're all European technically. Like what? You can't do that. Why would you do it with Native Americans if you wouldn't do it with them? Yeah, I think and I think like, <laughs> that is correct. I also think that like the point that like this is a the game acts like this is a thing of history. And I pulled it up just so I could make sure that I was correct. The Indian Child Welfare Act didn't pass in the United States until 1978. 
And that was a thing that would stop policies of just taking Native kids away from their parents for, like, things that, like, white people would never get their kids taken away for, right? Like, just never would Everything happen. we've been doing to Black people, we've been doing to Indigenous people just as long. That's why... Yeah, there's controversy about whether or not you should use like the term BIPOC, whether or not that's useful in any way, separating specifically black and indigenous, then lumping in the rest of POC. Like there's different contexts where it's better and worse. And there's a whole conversation to be said. But the the idea that we have a culture have realized that we need to start linking the way that we've historically treated black people with indigenous people is important. And I get that that's like what BIPOC was trying to accomplish or is trying to accomplish. I don't even know past times, present times, but uh it's it's literally we do that now it's just the same thing as like you call what well, your welfare gets involved and takes a black child away from their parents for no fucking reason and then you have kellyanne conway posting revenge porn of her daughter and her daughter going i called cps they told me my mom was too rich for them to do anything like that's just how it is she's a white woman what did you expect like we we've been doing that to indigenous people for as long as you've been doing that to black people and it's just it, you can keep giving people the benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt. This original Polygon article from 2018 gives them the benefit of the doubt the entire time. Where it's like, they're definitely trying their best to, you know, capture Native culture. But it's been two plus years. And the narrative that they've spun after multiple people came into their Discord after they requested that feedback. Um, one of which saying... I have the qualifications. I'm a game designer. I do this stuff for a living. I'm native. I'm exactly what you're looking for. I'm familiar with these specific tribes. I can fix this game for you. You can hire me because what they want, and they keep saying this like, oh, well, our fans are native. They want cultural consulting without paying. They want the indigenous people who they're going to profit off of to do the free emotional labor of fixing their game without even educating it. They don't want to even be educated. They just want they just want everyone to just shut the fuck up and it's fine. They show no desire to actually learn and they certainly don't see that that knowledge is important enough to pay for. That's what it is. If you feel like the knowledge is worth it to pay for, like they paid to go to school to learn how to make video games, they thought that knowledge was worth paying for, but they do not at the end of the day feel that it is worth it to pay people from the culture they are trying to profit off of to make sure that they're doing it in a way that is respectful. That is the bar. And they're looking at it and they're like, fuck bars. And then they kick it. And then they get mad that they can't play Limbo anymore. Like, we don't want to play Limbo with you. You're stupid and racist. And then they cry Mm -hmm. on Twitter. I thought you were going to go with fuck bars be like pubs. But I think the the limbo thing works better. I was all, I was gonna, but then I was like, this is too obvious. I gotta think of something else. I think it worked better. And then I forgot the word limbo, and I was like, shit, what's that game called? Real? Oh, that's not one. Yeah. And that's it for quality assurance. Uh, in the future, remember when people from cultures say that you're depicting them wrong in their games, just listen. Let's move on to free play. I know a lot of us have been actually playing games this week. I have been playing games. Kelly's been playing games. Zagger's been playing games. Zagger's been playing the game of moving. I mean, Spencer. Damn it. That was almost a good joke. That was almost a good joke. <laughs> I was like, I'm moving somewhere? What? <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> Kelly's finally kicked me out. I feel like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, in this intro, how Kaylee is the number two Tales of Berseria streamer. 
with the number one Tales of Berseria stream in our hearts. Kaylee, how have you been feeling about that game? So Tales of Berseria has been a really interesting experience. I started it in February on stream. And when I play a game on stream, I like to play it with my stream like a family. So I usually don't play it off stream. If a game has like a lot of grinding, like I did a lot of Yakuza grinding off stream, that's one thing. But I don't like doing any fun story stuff off stream. And there's not a lot of grinding that I needed to do in Actually, let's be honest. I haven't done any grinding in Tales of Berseria. I am so goddamn powerful, and I have not done any grinding. I'm just really good at the game. I'm just a good difficulty levels and good scaling and games. That's good game I, design. I love this game. I'm so powerful. It makes perfect sense with my fantasy. So, I started it in February, and I was streaming like two, three hours a, uh, a day, and so like kind of making incremental progress. And towards the middle, I wasn't sure if I was feeling it. Some days, and then other days, just like the fashion would grab me, or a particular side quest would grab me. But there were definitely certain days where I was just having to like walk through maps to get to the next part of the storyline, and the maps were really long, and I'd get lost easy because I'm really bad at maps. And those days were hard. But about a week and a half ago, I hit the breaking point, I hit the part of the JRPG where it's just let's fucking go and they just slam the f- pedal to the floor on the story and like one stream I had nine twists just twist 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 boom twist it was so good it was awesome it was great I couldn't believe that there was still more to go and then somehow there was more things after that it's just it's been amazing I love this game I have put as much time into Tales of Berseria in the last two weeks as I did in the preceding, like, six weeks. I can't stop playing it. I've been doing, like, five, six-hour streams every day because I just can't put the damn thing down. Which is super impressive. Right, like, I'm only stopping because I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night and you've done nothing but, like, get ready for stream and stream. You have to stop. That's the only reason I've been putting it down. I don't know what I'm... Well, I was about to say I don't know what I'm going to do when I finish it, but I already bought Tales of Vesperia, which I hadn't played, and I'm super excited. Zyger and I just watched the prequel movie, so I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe starting Tales of Vesperia docked, but last time I tried to do that, my fucking switch melted, so I'm kind of afraid, but we'll see. My theory is, so, on this podcast, I've been making a lot of jokes about Tales of Arise getting uh, supposed to be released in 2021, and what a joke that is, and how it's definitely not coming out this year, but... Tales of Arise was supposed to be a 2020 game, and it was delayed because of COVID. And in December of 2020, they were like, yo, development has actually been going super smooth, and we're really stoked about this game. You're going to hear some some dope shit in spring. And then in March, a dope-ass trailer do- uh, dropped for Tales of Arise, and they're like, stay tuned, y'all. So I honestly, at this point in time, This is an anniversary year for Tales. So in December, they were like, Tales of Arise has been going so smoothly. And this is like the 30th anniversary, 20th anniversary. How old am I? It's terrifying. I thought it was 25th, but I could be wrong. You scared the shit out of me. Yeah, 25th sounds right. You know, I think it is. I think it's 25th anniversary. It's their anniversary year. So it would make a lot of sense since Tales of Arise got delayed anyways. Tales of Arise is the first game they're doing on Unreal Engine. It's absolutely gorgeous. Watch the trailer. It looks so cool. It's going to be really neat. It's going to be awesome. I have complete faith in it. And now I'm actually really thinking it might come out in 2020. And I'm tentatively... 2021. Damn it. 2021 is this year. This is the year 2021. 
Oh. Also, it is the twenty fifth anniversary of Tales. I just checked. Yeah. Oh, it's a. Oh, I got I got a different thing. I thought it's I got this twenty sixth. It was the twenty fifth in twenty twenty. It came out in nineteen ninety five. Tales of Fantasia. Well, they're celebrating the twenty fifth anniversary this year. So yeah, that is super weird. Well, the first anniversary would be a year after it came out. You're so, right. Oh know. right. Is that how that works? Is that how that works? Hold on. Don't know. Don't. You, see, you, you said that. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> right? I'm like, wait a sec. It sounded really That's not how that I works. You believed me. I immediately <laughs> believed you. Are they doing the Disney anniversary thing? Because, like, the Disney anniversary thing is, like, this year is the 50th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. But they don't start their 50th anniversary celebration for the 50th year until October 4th or whatever. I think it's the 4th. And then it runs through the following May. The first year they technically count is October 4th through October 4th of the next year. Like, that's their year. Are they doing the... It's a fiscal year. Yeah. It's like we do with all these other holidays. It's their 25th anniversary observed. That's what they choose to observe as their 25th anniversary. So I really think the Tales of Arise is coming this year. And I'm about to start Tales of Vesperia. So I'm very excited. I liked Tales of Vesperia. It's my... Fourth favorite Tales game. That's you played five Tales games. What the fuck? That's not high. That's better. I mean, no, it, but they're all high. <laughs> That's the thing. They're not all high. Tales of Graces is so forgettable. I agree with you on that one. I don't remember any of the characters. I don't. Rem- so it's the worst Tales game you played. It's yeah. it's worse than Vesperia. I like Vers- Vesperia. I just don't like that it's Tales an of Symphonia is one of my favorite games of all time. Tales of Tales Vesperia is... or Tales of uh, Symphonia is amazing. That's a great game. It's perfect. Symphonia is number two for me. Is it the what's number one? Uh, Tales of Exilia. See, I'm not gonna lie. That Exilia is a really good one. What makes that one so good? Um, so I played Tales of Symphonia twice because you have the Zealous route and you have the Kratos route, right? You don't play. You can't let Zelos die. You played through him dying. You can't kill Zelos. The original route, yes, yes. The original route, I killed Zelos. Oh my god! And Tales of Exilia, I played twice as well. And the reason why it's higher than Symphonia is because Tales of Exilia's story by the two main characters is actually different enough to make that a nice, a, a nice of an experience of replaying it. Whereas Tales of Symphonia, I didn't enjoy most of replaying it. I just liked the new things that I saw, but I liked Tales of Exilia playing it twice uh, way more. So it's like you can play through from each of the two protagonists' perspectives? Yeah, you start the game choosing a main character. Oh, I don't necessarily want to have to play a 100-hour JRPG twice. You don't. Just the girl who played Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal. They're different games. (laughs) I mean, I, I I would say the differences are... Probably they came out two years apart, to be honest with you. If they came out back-to-back, I would have played one of them. That's that's like, when people ask, oh, should I play Persona 5 or Persona 5 Royal? I'm like, well, once Persona 5 Royal comes out, there's no reason to play Persona 5. Yes. Because like, you need to play Persona 5 Royal, and I'm not going to have you play both. Like, I played Persona 5 because it came out. And then two years later, I played Persona 5 Royal because I had to wait two years for it. And Royal by then, I wanted to play Persona. Out. Right? Like, that's that's the... Uh, error there the correct way to get me is to say says the girl that played diablo or diablo 3 six times each with a different class went through the storyline six times or my personal favorite says the girl who went through dragon age four times each with a different (laughs) race yeah so i would compare it to those things so for me i liked exilio so much i was like 
I usually don't replay JRPGs. Let me just at least give this other character a try. And then I was like, oh, this is actually a nice experience. So Out I, of oh. curiosity, who did you do first? Jude. The Jude's girl. my favorite protagonist in all Is that Tales the boy? Because yeah. that's yeah. my problem. Is He just popped up in Tales of Berseria. And honestly, I was kind of excited to play Tales of Zillia. But now I'm turned off because that protagonist had like the annoying... like young random like he had a really bland dude protagonist voice and then he transformed into a human and i was like he looks like a boring like he his design was just real boring to me and his personality was real boring to me it was like golly gee i'm just still a college student shucks like real like i, I liked him for two reasons so i don't know his english voice so i can't tell i can't comment on the thing that you experienced oh interesting i only okay. play uh, tales games in japanese except on switch where it's super super far from my face and i'd rather like to just see listen to it but i liked him because he is the only character in the male mainline tales game that i've played uh because there's ones that i haven't where you can fight with your fist and you can pick people off the ground and throw them and I love it. Oh my god, you gotta play Tales of Legendia. The whole point of that game is that the main character, like, picks people up and throws them. Like, that's the big mechanics. They have all these, like, throw things and different... Like, if that's your jam, you gotta play Tales of Legendia, bro. And I liked him because he was the first Tales uh, protagonist that I played that didn't feel like a cop. And uh, I played Exilia before Berseria came out. She's not a cop. I was about to say, Berseria, like eats cops the whole game like literally eats them yeah i also played jude first and then i played mila afterward but i feel like i like mila a little more than i like jude not that i don't like jude jude i think is great but i don't know something about mila just like was more fun when you're actually playing as her i think think velvet is the best protagonist that we've had i don't like i don't it's weird when i asked her like why is the protagonist good and you guys talk about the combat it really confuses me because it's so like i forget that you guys are like the opposite of me i'm like no i mean like which one's better like as a character oh, not this is like, the only context where i would punch. say that because he felt, like a, he felt like a fighting game character which speaks to me but his I, personality is no, like i meant like which one do you right. like like if there was an anime of the show which one would be your favorite obviously that's what i mean by which character you'd be like the best oh still jude because he, he just wants to save people and that's like that's so genuine and he's like a himbo in that game he's like so genuine and honest. He just wants to save people. He's not particularly smart, but he's super book smart. And he's like Deku from My Hero Academia in a sense where he's just pure and he just wants to help people. Now, uh, lots of us have played lots of games, but one of us finished a game, and that was Zyger. You finished Outriders, right? So tell me about that game that I'm never going to play. Yep. So Outriders is the game that, again, when I talked about it last week, I had no idea this game existed until it came, or Square Enix announced it was coming to Game Pass. I have played it. I have beaten it. I absolutely adore this game in the, in the sense that it is like a Destiny in like, oh, you get your loot, you clear levels. And it has like the Diablo like difficulty aspect where you can change the difficulty up to like 15 to get better loot. I forget what Diablo calls it. Kayla, do you remember? They have Torment. Well, they have torment. like hard, they have different levels, but then the highest level is Torment. And then you can unlock new stages of Torment. And then they have Torment like one, two, three, four. Yeah. So. It has that exact system. It has that exact system. It's like, oh, this is a Diablo slash Destiny mix. And the story, for the most part, is okay. It's not, like, groundbreaking in any sense. But it is... It kept. It was interesting enough for me to keep going and, like, go through the story. 
but it's your it's your generic sci-fi oh we're trying to colonize the planet oh we found aliens and we accidentally or not accidentally they enslaved them turns out enslaving the aliens about to say we accidentally enslaved them the, the way that the character the evil character did is like oh we didn't realize that enslaving them would kill us because it's a, it's a whole lot of sci-fi bullshit that happens in the story. Okay, I want to finish this with you being nice to the game, so I'm going to interrupt you here to rag on you so hard that Jordan will be retroactively right in calling me out for bullying. Because I'm not going to lie to you, I've been watching you play this game all week. Since our recording, right. I have watched Zyger play this game in the living room all week. And I did not know what his opinion of the game was. Because he's been playing it with the sound off while listening to a podcast. Now, shut up. That's after he beat the storyline and he told me that. And he said that, like, after he beat the story, there's no reason to have the sound on. And so that's why it's he's had a podcast on the entire time. But that's been my lived experience. And that's why he's doing it. Every time I come out there, he's standing in front of the coffee table. <laughs> squinting as hard as he can scrolling through menus i'm not kidding he constantly is getting up sitting down getting up sitting down the fact that you started this with such glowing only positive things to say about this game makes me have less respect for your opinion about games for context this is an audio podcast when zyger said something positive kaylee was clearly in shock (laughs) i was i was convinced he was gonna be like this fucking game does not work i want it to be good but it does not want to be good that's what i thought his take was he doesn't like any of the ambient dialogue and he wants to listen to a podcast through it now that he's done with the storyline which he admits is mediocre he can't fucking read he can't sit and play he has to constantly get up sit down get up sit down like this is a seven at best you guys even if the gameplay is good, but last week the way he talked about it did not match his lived experience. And you might be getting to some light criticism, but you front-loaded a, oh, this is a good game. This is not a good game. This is an all-right-at-best game. It's not bad to physically play, but if you're not on PC, do not bother. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. What The, what, uh, the point I was trying to make with the music thing is that the game's actual music is a very ambient and like oh you can't hear it there's no music in this game there is i was no like Zyger, why is there no music and he's like oh it's on no it's not can you check in the settings to make sure i had him pull up the settings to show that the music volume wasn't turned down and then we turned up the tv super loud and then i was like oh wait yeah you can kind of hear it like yeah. that this is the game he's just like oh i love this game that's how we started the- this review i love this game the music only ever really kicks in when you're in combat, but then it gets drowned out by the sound of the bullets, which is like the sound mixing in this game has a lot to be desired. But the point I'm trying to get to about this game is Kaylee is right. Uh, the game is absolutely designed for PC in mind. Playing it on the TV is super hard. Reading the super tiny text is annoying, but the moment to moment gameplay, the way they like, the way that the game is like presents, presented to you when you start the game is like, oh, your character got morphed into what they called an altar, which is like basically God. And in the first few hours of the game, you don't feel like a God at all. You feel like a normal person and you die a lot. But once you like 
builds up your power-ups and your gear and whatnot, you actually do end up feeling like a god. And as you play in this like late-game, end-game context, you're like, oh, I love doing everything this game has to offer. Right now, I'm 98% done with like the achievements in the game. I'm only missing one last thing, which is to get a variety of different kills. But like using the power-ups, stacking your abilities and whatnot, it's all like... It's like a power fantasy in a sense. It's like, oh, I want to be able to do this. Can I do this? I can if I change my gear and my abilities and my skill nodes and whatnot. And I love that aspect of the game a lot. And full disclosure, this game probably is a seven. I might say personal eight just because I like playing the game. But getting up to read the text and whatnot, I'm only doing this because I enjoy the game. If I didn't find the game fun, I wouldn't have bothered... Games are made to the standard we hold them to and no higher. Games, especially AAA games. This was not a labor of love from an indie with an idea burning in the fucking fires of their heart. And then the people you could say, oh no, the the dead team had a great time. They were really passionate about this. Yeah, but you know what I mean. This is a AAA game made to be big and make money. This This was not like a little studio trying their best. This was money behind this game yeah square enix publishing it right to come out in the state that it is in on console and to call it an eight is a fucking insult to indie developers that is how i feel like it is insulting to there are so many good games there's so many games you don't have to justify that this game really could be good this is a game with all of the resources in the world and it has been out for a minute and they don't seem to think the font size is a problem. Like, this would be an easy fix. They have an accessibility option for large text, and it's not accessible. It's not, because even the large text means I can't read it. So you, if you actually need that accessibility, sorry, that's the best they have to offer for you. What if you could not physically get up and down like that all the time? Like, if you yeah. had, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you had any sort of, like, hip issues, knee issues, anything that stops you from, like, sitting down, getting up, sitting down every 10 minutes, you could not play this game on console. Like, this is a big problem. Just because it's not that big a deal to you doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to look outside yourself and realize that this game is unacceptable in certain ways. Like, it baffled. I was like, you could be playing a game that you could just sit and play. Every time I came out and saw you standing again, I was like, you have Game Pass. You could play infinite games. You could play whatever you wanted that actually works. <laughs> and you're playing this, which, again, I guess says a lot about the gameplay in terms of how fun it is. But Jeezy right. Pete's, it is not a goddamn eight. <laughs> you're, you're, a lot of what you're saying is right. And yes, I do agree with a lot of that. Just, I'm Game sorry. Play, though. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. I just. I can't believe it. Like, I can't. I explain. kept watching you, and I was like, "Why is he doing this? This is exhausting." I was making candles, running back and forth, and I, like every time I ran back to the stove, he was in a different position, and I'm just like, "God damn!" As someone who still identifies as an indie dev, I want smaller games made with less people that have more bugs. Right. Like, <laughs> If this was an indie studio that made this shooter and they made it to go on Steam primarily because they weren't expecting to get bought by Game Pass and they were thinking it was a PC thing, they don't have really the resources to completely change the UI to be better on console. You know, there could be a million reasons why I wouldn't be this upset. But this is a goddamn Square Enix game. <laughs> like... I I could be wrong, and I will 
fact check this and correct myself on next week's podcast, but the studio is uh, People Can Fly. And I believe they've only made PC games in the past. I'm looking at that right now. I'm looking at their Wikipedia. Yeah, they've only made Gears of War for the computer, for PC. Like a port of Gears of War. Bulletstorm. I don't know if that came to anything. I think... I think people can find primarily did PC ports of other people's games. Yeah, that's what they did. And then they made. Yeah, yeah that's what they. It seems like that's what all they did was do ports. Who's the right, studio so... that made um, The Order 1886? Oh. It's like them. They used to do yeah. uh, Vita ports of shit. And then they got one shot and they blew it and looked what happened. Is that what you want? Whatever can fly? Why did we. Why did they. I mean, like, that game was good. Hot take. Oh, uh, that game. Okay, my hot take okay. is that oh, game. The order? Yeah, the Order eighteen eighty six deserved a sequel. That game was a great like proof of concept from a team that had literally only made Vita games and correctly identified all their issues. And they were like, "We put way too much time making these gorgeous assets that even today in twenty twenty one look amazing." And we didn't realize how much time it was going to take because we've only ever fucking done Vita games, and then there was no time left to make the game part. But now we have all the assets and we're planning to reuse them to just like get right into the whole like sequel part. We've saved so much time. It'll be great. We can just work on the story. Everything else is clearly in place and everyone agrees it was decent. And then it's just like, nah, for some reason, fuck you. I demand the order 1887. I'm sorry. Is it a big blockbuster for Sony, though? It could be. <laughs> Honestly, they should remake that. Yeah, I would rather they make that. Yeah, but like final thoughts for Outriders. This is absolutely a game designed for PC and playing on a console is a struggle, but the gameplay is so fun. I love being able to output 10 million damage. It's it's just a lot of fun. Play Disgaea if you like big numbers. So the, that's the thing. I'm finishing this game probably tonight. I just want to get that last achievement and then I'm probably going to move on to something else. I... I was honestly thinking of playing Tales of Vesperia or the other uh, game that came out. Oh, you should play Tales of Vesperia and we'll start it at the same time. Uh, that, that was the thing. I was going to think like, oh, maybe I want to... I was, I was going to suggest, hey, do you want to like race through Vesperia so you can finish it first? Like, oh, I don't want to like ruin the experience by rushing through it. And then I was like, okay. I think we should try to see if we can stay on the same pace. Like it's not like a get book too club, far ahead of video each club. other. Right, like a video game book club style thing. It's like we try to like get to certain points at the same time. Like, are you here yet? Okay, wait, we'll get here by like Thursday so we can talk about it. Yeah, if if I didn't play Vesperia, I was going to do the other Square Enix game that came to Game Pass recently that no one thought was coming. It was a Switch game. Uh, Octopath Traveler. That's the one. Octopath Traveler. Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do that one. Either way, that means I get to take part in the conversation because uh, if y'all go through Vesperia, I can remember the half of the game that I don't remember right now because I haven't played it in three years. Yeah. But if you play Octopath Traveler, I can just start playing it again because I've only done three of those character stories. Nice. I'm, I, I also just read a thing that made me really sad as we were talking about the Order 1886. Now Ready at Dawn is owned by Oculus. So these, now Facebook. Uh, that's right. I forgot Ooh. about that. Yeah, so why would they let that studio walk away? Because after they did the order, they did PSVR games, right? As they- far as I can see, they have only they did a single game that went to console after that, and then every other game was Oculus Rift game or Oculus Quest. They made a game called Deformers, which was a multiplayer brawler game. It was not a VR game. Yep, they only made Oculus VR games afterwards. Oh. Of course, yeah, the Wikipedia. This, this is what I'm talking about. Sony's fucking up. That studio could have done great things walk. if they let it. You know, Oculus bought them last shot. year. 
last year in June. I didn't say it in the free play, but my hot take on the whole Sony thing is Spider-Man was the last good Sony, Sony game to expect for a while. It was the last good one. It's all downhill from there. That's the peak. Of I mean, I feel for like down. maybe like 10 years. I, yeah. I feel like we're hitting another PS3 thing where it's going to be like five, six years of bullshit. And then by the end of the PS5 life cycle, I bought this PS5 and I've said this to Zyger. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. I bought this PS5 assuming I was buying the airplane hangar PS3. The one that had backwards compatibility that they immediately removed from all future PS3s. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's going to be this generation's version of the fact that I have a disk drive. It's why I got one with the disk drive. It makes Same. it look even more like the Hangar PS3 because it's got that extra space. But I think that the PS5 is probably going to be a waste of time. We're mostly going to be playing the Xbox Series X until closer to the end of the generation. And that's when PS5 will realize that they're losing and want, not until they're losing will they get their shit together. And that's why I worry that Microsoft's going to be like, eh, we don't really even care about selling Xboxes. And then Sony technically won't be losing on paper because their only metric is, did we sell more consoles than Xbox? And so it's just going to be a hot fucking mess. But maybe. Another sad fact about Ready at Dawn, they were formed from members who left Naughty Dog to have creative control. No. Oh my god, that's so sad. That's the the saddest story I've ever heard. The thing I like about your your prediction is that I have a different prediction that I feel is a little bit sadder, is that I think that Sony's going to keep winning regardless about them fucking up, and they're not going to learn their lesson, and we're going to get more of this, and people are going to like follow their lead like people do with the, the United States government. Uh, what do you mean for the PS6? So, like, will the PS6 be garbage? Will it exist? Like, what are you saying? I think it'll exist and it'll be the same practices and it might then be garbage and not might be failed, but I think other, like, places are going to start following. On paper, Sony's never failed. The PS3 almost failed and they turned it around. Yep. I'm hoping they can turn it around hopefully faster than the PS3 turn around, but that's, that's only a perfect world. You might say that we were the outriders all along. And that's it for free play this week. God damn it. Before we go, Kaylee, where can people find you on the internet? For a second, I contemplated whether or not I wanted them to, but I decided I do. Quirk of Art XD on Twitter. That's where I would like you to follow me. That's that's mostly where I like to communicate. It makes me comfy. It's easy. It's what I know. It's like my safe place, which is different than a safe space because that's definitely not Twitter. Otherwise, you can follow me on Twitch. Uh, again, if you listen to this on Wednesday and you're looking at your watch and it's before like 7 p.m. Pacific, I'm probably crying about a small, shaggy-haired little angel boy named Nugget live on twitch.tv slash art right now. He's so cute. He's got little glasses. He's got his little... He doesn't got no thumbs. <laughs> so damn cute. It. So cute. I love him. Spencer, got any cool streams coming up or any places to follow you? I do not have any school, cool streams coming up because I am moving, but I do have a very cool other podcast that I do by myself called Is It Halloween Yet? Where I talk about horror movies. And the horror movie I'm going to talk about this week, I'm going to yell at everybody to watch it until they do. It is called The Power. It is on Shudder and it is amazing. Ooh. I love when women get to write horror and direct Ooh. it because it okay. is always fantastic what is this give me the give me the back of the box that two cents i don't want to give too much away if you want to watch it but it takes place 
Yeah. It's semi haunted house, semi supernatural, and it takes place in 1974 London during the power outages. That's like all Kaylee's things. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop talking about it. I love this movie so much. Oh my god. Did this just come to Shudder? We loved just- It just came out this week. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Because we love every couple weeks. Okay, I was going to say, I feel like I checked Shudder recently. We go on Shudder and we just look at the recently added because through quarantine, we've watched everything on Shudder. So now it's just like every couple weeks we wait for like a buildup and go on the recently added and flip through and then watch everything that we want to watch and then wait a couple more weeks. So you can follow uh, Is It Halloween on Twitter at A Halloween Club and you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else as Miss Nintendeek64. Zyger, where are you Zygering lately? You can follow me at Twitter at Zyger1337. I tweet occasionally and post pictures of random whatnots. If you want to talk about games, I'm down to talk about whatever game at any time over on the Twitters. You can find me at Versified on Twitter. That's kind of the only place I want you to follow me. But also, also buy We Should Talk on All Things. All the talking about games being delisted from things made me download We Should Talk on all the platforms that I could get it on. So I downloaded it on Switch, I downloaded it on PS4, I downloaded it on PS5, and I downloaded it on a friend's Xbox One. So you nice. do all those things too. Because ain't no way my game's getting caught up in any places, even though I have like other versions of it on Steam and everywhere. Follow me there. And I purposely uh, did not say and before introducing myself to not use the Oxford comma in spoken word. Because that was just a last minute thought that sounded fun. This is going to do it for the week nine patch rollout. Subscribe to future patches on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Follow the Weekly Patch at the Weekly Patch on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, or join the QA process in our Discord server. Comments, questions, bug reports, send them to us at hello at theweeklypatch.com. Links to all of these and more of the episode patch notes below. Week 9 patch complete. This was not a great week for me. You know why? What? It is Sunday, the 11th of April. April? And before we started recording, I was watching two things at the same time. This is not a joke, although it is a joke. I was watching Property Brothers. And I was watching WrestleMania. And-